Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Marcus and Melina De La Cruz. We hope that you'll be blessed by today's message. You guys put something on there about Spanish speaking. We have not every book, but I'm getting all my books in Spanish. Many of them are, and I give away a bunch of them to missionaries that are in Mexico right now in Spanish. So we're getting that. We have some with us, like this one, uh, Angels in La Tierra. I don't know the rest of that saying. Let me see. Esperan por usted. Yeah. Anyway, I, I can't speak Spanish. I've just done a lot of mission work in Latin America and other places too, Russia and Germany and whatever. Anyway, I encourage you to get this book. It's what I'm teaching on this morning. It'll probably be what I'm teaching on the whole time, but I can't guarantee that. I might teach on casting out devils tomorrow night. I might cast something out of you this morning. I don't know if you need it. I'm not looking for the devil, but if he shows up, I know what to do with him and I get rid of him. been doing that for 40 years, so I know a little bit about it. And then this, these little cards are on my table because I don't carry CDs with me anymore or DVDs. You can get on my, let me think here, I'm kind of technically challenged, website. And it's on the back, it tells you how to do it on your phone or computer and iPad. And I don't know whatever you guys have mechanical anymore. I don't care about it. I just have a phone. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm kind of uh, <laughs> technically challenged. But these are all free, and you can get on there, you can listen to me, you scroll down, and there's over 200 messages. I probably did thousands of messages in 45 years, but we put the, the best 200 and some, I don't know, 213 or whatever. We keep adding to it as we go certain places, because sometimes there's a different anointing on me in some cities or some countries that wasn't on me in the United States. So we put stuff on there, even with interpreters sometimes. So that's just free, you know, post page. You get on there if you want to look up something. I don't know how many series I have on angels. I've been teaching on angels since 1980. That's 43 years. I do know a lot more than I'm ever going to be able to get into you in three services. A lot more than I can get into you in 13 years, probably. Yeah. I'm just talking. Not bragging, just know what I'm talking about. But we'll just see how the Lord leads us. And recently, the Lord's had me doing a lot of uh, testimonies, reading testimonies of people. I didn't read in somebody's book. I was there. I saw it. I did it with God's help. Miracles happen. So I, I'd read that to people, and really what stood out to me, I was talking to Pastor Dr. Hatterball this morning. We were in Lima, Peru together, and Dr. Dufresne was there, and he had me minister. And I told about a lady in Indiana, that's the state I live in, uh, was healed of scoliosis in my meeting. I ministered to her. She's kind of on this side of the sanctuary. And I laid hands on her, and she fell out on her back, and I went down through there praying for other people that I called out for different things. Then the Lord said, turn around, look at her, and I did, and an angel stood over her, straddling her. He stuck his hand down into her midsection, grabbed her by the tailbone, and went like that, one jerk. And I was in the spirit, so I saw her straight, her back go, straighten right up. You know, if you have scoliosis, either curved in or out, or like this. <laughs> okay. But I was in Lima, Peru, and there was a lady there from Canada with her husband. And I told that story while I'm preaching through an interpreter in Spanish. She didn't need it. She spoke English. But nonetheless, most of them did speak uh, you know, Spanish. And she caught me the next day coming in. It's a long white, it's a long building, like a shotgun building, 1,200 people coming down. She said, Dr. Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs. I said, yes, ma'am, what do you need? She said, well, I was in your meeting last night. I said, well, good. She said, when I got up there, you told about a lady in Indiana got healed of scoliosis. I only had scoliosis. I had a knot. She said about that big on my spine that radiated pain constantly. And said, when you touched me, I didn't feel a thing, but my husband's with me. We went to bed last night. When we woke up, he checked me. The knot's gone. The pain's gone. The spine is straight. <laughs> but just as what she said, I wouldn't have come probably 
if you hadn't have told the story about this lady in Indiana. So it just, I mean, I've had people do that to me for many, many years, but when she said it, something went off in me. And so I started collecting, I've been collecting testimonies for 30 years maybe, and I really, to be honest, I only get about one-tenth of people to get healed in my meetings. I've, ch I've checked out the statistics before. Most people never even write and say, you know, God healed me, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, they don't have to thank me, but they could tell what God did for them. That's what I'm after. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in a meeting recently in uh, Kentucky, I think it was Bowling Green, and a man was there, and he was in a meeting with me in another place in Kentucky, and he said, did you hear about my friends that came to your meeting? I, didn't even, I don't even know you, sir. Who are you? He said, well, I'm from this place. I said, okay. He said, but my, one of the ladies I knew, so very close to me, she had rheumatoid arthritis. She couldn't even walk right. She looked like she was half paralyzed when she walked. I've had people healed of that. And she, he said, she was healed of that, and she's running all over town telling everybody. I said, well, she didn't write me. Why don't you encourage her to write me a little note or an email? You know, you sophisticated people who want emails. Just, just don't pay attention to me. If I offend you, you won't get anything. So just know that I'm kind of uh, challenged in that area, and I might throw something at you like that. Because we're all heady now. People are not me, but, I mean, a lot of people are just so heady you can't get nothing in them. They got everything figured out because they're electronically into things. I haven't got time to look up Facebook. I don't care if you took a shower or you ate a pizza or you ate a hot dog or you starved. That's irrelevant to me. I just want to know what happened when God touched you. I make it pretty simple. I cut to the chase. I'm not mad either. If I get mad, you'll know it. But I'm not mad. I'm just it's the way I am. And you're going to take this away from my teaching time. You need to get, if you speak Spanish, get my Spanish book. Or you know somebody who speaks Spanish, buy them a book. But this will help you. It's just the basics. Yeah. When, I did, when I turned in my tapes to have them transcribed, they sent me a document back 517 pages on angels. And the Lord started laughing at me. He's done that to me a couple of times. When he's laughing, I know he's not thrilled about it. And he's going to tell me something when he gets done laughing at me. <laughs> and he said, Michael, 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 <laughs> you're not going to have time to teach what you know about it in the earth. You riddle that down to about, whittle it down to about 100 pages, read, write it so a third grader could understand it. So my, my point to you is if you can't understand this, get in my line to get a brain, and I'll help you. Yeah. I'm not a complicated person. Now he can tell you he's been around me 38 years. I'm not a complicated, I'm very focused. Not like most people, but I'm just very focused, okay? I love people, but some of them are just so wild anymore in their activities they have barely have time to even come to church you know, we're so distracted listen learn something from me don't be so distracted your whole life you'll go without a lot of things god could have done but because you're so distracted your kids your grandkids you know and you just have to make some decisions i love my family i love my children and my grandkids but i i'm here with you today i'm not at home in church where i can go out to lunch with my family and i'm very seldom in on home on sunday anymore because I'm out doing stuff for God, and pastors want me to come, and I appreciate the invitation, too. I love your pastors. don't know them that well yet. I know uh, Pastor Marcus a little more because we had a meal together yesterday. Then I met Melina, and she's filling me in on all the blank. He left out. <laughs> Not really. What? She cleaned up the story. Anyway, we, have, we do have books besides this one in Spanish. This is in English. I think we might have it in Spanish. I don't know. The Authority of the Believer. It's a little book you ought to learn. 
put it in your pocket or your purse or your back pocket or whatever. So we just took it out of our deliverance book or our angel book. Both those books, I put a chapter in each book because if you don't know you have authority, this is something I'm going to teach you, but maybe not this morning, but I want to make this clear. If you don't know you have authority with angels or demons, you won't do anything. You can just forget it. Don't buy the book even if you don't. You're not going to have authority in it. Just forget it. You're not going to get anything. You've got to know you have authority over the devil. You've got to know you have authority in angels. I'm talking about the elect angels, the ones that are good and the ones that are serving us in the earth. We're going to talk about that this morning. So you need to know it. You need to rethink it because I think most people have heard the comment, but I don't think most people believe it. I used to think money was a harder thing when I was younger. But now I'm a little older. I'm 73. I know I don't look it. But I've come to believe when it comes to our authority in Christ or our tremendous privilege of being seated with Christ, not below Him, not a sub anything, you're not a sub anything. You're either a joint heir or you're not. You're either a sub heir or you're going to hell. <laughs> if you're saved, then you're a, you're a joint heir with Jesus. And that gives you everything that He has. But when I say that, most people go, oh, yeah, amen, and then they live like they don't believe it. So this is why I put this in a little mini book. And I think it'll help you a lot. You, you might have to think about it. You know, I've been doing this, I've been saved 52 years. I was a drug dealer and a drug addict when I got saved. You probably wouldn't have wanted to know me back then. Carried a gun just wild as could be. Didn't start out that way, but I became that way through drugs. And I'm not blaming it on anybody but myself. I'm just a real person. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, let, let's see where we could go. Let me t- get some introduction things going here. Don't let these papers fool you. We're not going to be here till midnight. You need that set up here? I'm going to stick it down there. You can get it if you need it. But we want to talk to you about some really important things here about angels today. And I wanted to make, let's, let's go over to Hebrews, first of all. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. And we're going to start there. That's a good basis to start uh, on this subject of angels. And, uh, you know, we've been studying it a lot. I mean, in 19, uh, 1995, I took 15 Wednesday nights in a row to teach on this subject. And I didn't get done what I knew back then, yeah. much less what God knows. So that's been, uh, well, that'd be 28 years ago, I think, if I'm figuring right. So you can imagine what we know now. <laughs> you know, we don't have to learn the Bible all over again, but this, God's taking me further and further. He'll take you further if you'll study it. Yeah. If you just read my book one time, throw it in the corner, and never go back to it, it's going to work for you. If you're going to do what I'm telling you to do, that you're going to have to activate your angels. Let me say it to you where we, I think any person that can think would understand this comment. If it all, all took was God uh, charging the angels with his word, which he's already done. Psalm 91 says he did that. Then, and I didn't have to do anything and you didn't have to do anything. Why would I even teach it? Your life would be perfect. Because God doesn't speak anything but his word. But that's not the case in this. You have to step up and how can two walk together, Amos 3, 3, unless they be agreed. So I've got to get in my Bible and find out what God has said about the angels and say that. And that will activate them. Now I may say some things you had never heard before. That's fine with me. That doesn't mean I'm wrong just because you never heard it. 
Don't make me right either, but if you'll pay attention and listen to me and go search your Bible for what I'm telling you, because I already studied it. Yeah. You can go look again for me if you want. Yeah. And you find something that contradicts what I'm saying, please write me. I'd like to know that you know something yeah. that's going to contradict even. Yeah. I don't think you're going to find it because I've already read it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people always ask me, how is it you have so much angelic ministry in your life and in your ministry? I said, well, then usually the pastors ask me that. Your pastor hadn't asked me that, but at least not yet. But I say, well, do you teach it? Well, well, you're never going to have it if you don't teach it. You, how about just teach yourself? <laughs> you don't even have to be a leader in the church. You can just teach yourself and learn some things that we've learned. And that's why we have more angelic ministry than some realize is available. We have a lot of angels that work with me in my healing ministry. Not all of them do that. Some of them, some of them in the healing ministry only do one thing. And some of them do a multitude of things. How'd you learn it? Over a lot of years. 43 years of studying and talking to God. My prayer life and all the things that we do like that. We have one angel. He, he gets people healed of pulmonary stuff. Lung stuff. Lung cancer. COPD. Asthma. And he's got this finger. You know, they have hands and fingers. I don't know if you knew that or not. They're not like us, thank God. They're not human. Because humans have so much drama with them. I know none of you will admit it, but just trust me. I know you. You got so much emotions. And most people are governed or at least led a little bit by their emotions. You got to learn to crucify yourself in that area. I was one of those guys as a younger guy. You know, when I was carnal and just, I wasn't even born again. You wouldn't want to know me. But anyway, I'd live by my emotions. I'd be up for two days, down for six, up for three, down for ten. I don't live like that anymore. I have emotions. I just don't let them challenge me and control me. I say, feelings, you don't count. This is what counts. My faith in God. I'm just talking to you. Is that okay to talk to you here? You'll get to know me. Check my hair, do out my shoes and whatever else you want to look at me. You following me? I know how people are. They check me out for a while. And some finally get it. I'm not a bad guy. You know, I'm trying to help you. I'm just a straight shooter. Hey, I was that way with the devil. I did everything he told me to do, and the most of it two or three times. But I said to Jesus when I asked him into my life, when I finally was really dying from doing drugs, somebody said, I guess you gave up drugs for Jesus. I gave up drugs because they were killing me. I died at least one time back then in July of 71. I got saved in December 71. But anyway, that's another story to tell. I won't tell it right now. But I want to talk to you about angels today, and I want you to know something, too. Uh, This might be a little over your head, but I think it wouldn't hurt if I told you. Pastor Nancy gave me a word. Dr. Dufresne went home in October of 2013, and I came to her camp meeting because she was gone then, and she was running the ministry there, and rightfully so. And she gave me a word, and it was in, uh, I think it was, uh, let me see here. June the 20th, 2014. But it's so relevant to me, so I'm going to share a little bit with you. Right, see, it's a long, a long prophecy, like two pages. I'm only going to pick out a couple of scriptures. I mean, a couple of sentences. She said that I, this angel came to her house to talk to her about me. She was going to minister to me the next night. This angel was assigned to me to help me in my ministry, especially financially, but other ways too. And she said, Brother Hagen had a book with something of some, some information that went along with that. 
And he says, uh, not only does the messenger angel bring me messages, she was quoting him to tell me about it. Uh, he, said, she, he said, but the messenger works with my message. This is what I want to say, just one line here. If you catch hold to it, it'll help you. If you can't get a hold of it, just lay it beside you. It's okay with me. You still got the Holy Ghost, but you're not going to have this part of what I'm going to say. When I preach, this is Brother Hagen talking about the angel that he had, and she said that was the way she felt like I was getting in this angel that was attached to me from then until now and the rest of my life probably. She says, when I preach, the angel goes, Brother Hagen, and causes that to have an effect. So if I'm teaching you what God told me to teach you by the Holy Ghost, and the angel working with me, he goes and calls what I say to you and what I preach to you to have an effect on you. Yeah, come on. So, because some people just sit and listen and they don't ever get it, they just let it go by, zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. But you're gonna have to pay attention a little bit. I know you pay attention to your pastor. I'm not your pastor. I'm not even a pastor, I'm a prophet. Yeah. So I'm different than him. Don't try to compare me. Yeah. I'm not more important. He's not more important. We're all important. Right. And the church is important. All of you are important. Yeah. I don't know if I believe you're looking at me. I don't know if you really mean that or not, but you are important. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but who was going to tell you something like that if I didn't? Yeah. And I'd be lying if I tried to tell you that and I didn't think it worked. Yeah. 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 That's why I went so far with Dr. Dufresne. I believed what he said. Yeah. And I prayed for a long time before I hooked up with anybody, and it was him that God gave me his name. Anyway, let's go to here to Hebrews chapter 1, and uh, let's look at verse 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Now, I want to clarify this before I read the next verse. The, Jesus, our, our, the Bible here, book of, book of Hebrews, is not saying that this is what he said to the angels. He's making a comparison. The whole book of, of Hebrews is a comparison between the Old Covenant or in the first chapter and part into the second chapter, angels and Jesus. Jesus is God. Angels are not. They're not even on our level. I know you don't believe me yet, but I'll prove it if you give me enough time. I can't preach till four. I don't think my voice would hold out, but I just tell you what I know. So he's talking about, he was talking to Jesus. This is important before I get to the real meat of what I want to say, because he's going to compare the next verse to the, they are the angels. He says, are they the angels, not all ministering spirits? But because he said this in verse 13, he didn't say it to an angel, but he said it to Jesus. And because we're in him, he said it to us. Think about that. I'm going to make all your enemies to be your footstool. You know what a footstool is for? Your feet. You're above it. You put your feet on a footstool. So he's talking there about Jesus, but God's talking about Jesus. I'm taking it personal because I'm in him and you're in him. You know, I had a vision. I've had several visions. I'm just talking about a little snippet here. It only took about 45 seconds. Just recently, like two or three months ago, I saw Jesus, his head was in a chair like you're sitting and looking at me. And he said, Michael, what's wrong with this picture? And I said, well, where's your body? And I've been teaching people for 30 years. I'm in him and we're seated with him. Now listen to me while I talk to you a minute. I thought about that, but I thought I'm not behind him. I'm not certainly not above him and I'm not below him if I'm with him and I'm seated with him then I have to figure that out. But then I, he said back to me, what's wrong with this picture? I said, where's your body? He said, you and all the believers in the earth are in me, and we're seated together in this seat. Then he added this comment, because I could understand it. If every person in the body of Christ in the earth was a cell in my body, we could all be together in one chair. Thank you so much. 
And sometimes some people make fun of me because I have visions. I don't have them. I've never asked for them. I've never asked, even when I was a lot dumber in spiritual things, really. And, you know, we all start at the first base, which is zero, <laughs> a blank piece of paper. And, but I didn't ask for them, but I started having them. Now that I'm a lot older, I'm having them more frequently, and I have a little snippets like that happen. But I realized it proved what I'd said for 25 or 30 years. We're seated with him, not below him, not beside him, but with him in that place. It's the highest place of authority other than God. God is God the Father. So anyway, so he says here, are they the angels? Verse 14, Hebrews 1, 14, are they the angels? That's what he's, I'm trying to show you. Are they not all ministering spirits? I'd like to say it this way. They all have a ministry. You know, there's, evangel there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Then there's the body of Christ that holds all them up and helps them. Like if you're in this church, hopefully you don't just come and take up a chair and go home and never change, never offer to help them. That's a poor believer. Not necessarily financially, but every which way. Because <laughs> you're just, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's not about you helping. But most people that are in the church, that are legitimate people that really want to grow and know God, they want to help their pastors. And so we have the fivefold ministry, which is more leadership, and we're all different. It's not that I'm better than a pastor or a pastor. I'm just different. I was a pastor for a long time, and, and then I realized that really I was a prophet, and Dr. Dufresne, helped me to realize that. He was ahead of me and he spoke into my life and he had to encourage me because I was insecure about that. I know you wouldn't admit that you're ever insecure about anything, but because I know we got a good faith confession and we should have, but that don't mean you believe it yet. So just stay with it. <laughs> I hope I haven't offended you yet. If I did, just snap too. Pay attention. I'll get you out of that rut if you help me. <laughs> okay. All the angels have ministries. I didn't say I knew what all of them were. I know what the ones that are assigned to me are. I've got a big group. I don't know the total number because the Lord would not tell me how many about certain part of the angels who work with me. They were part of Dr. Dufresne's ministry for a long time, 100 angels. Pastor Nancy, who I know quite well, she knows me. Uh, she was in uh, Pastor Eberly's church in Cedar Rapids, and she was in a hotel. I wasn't even there. I just heard about it. Uh, she was praying, Lord, I know those angels didn't go back to heaven. See, the angels in the earth with us, that's what I'm talking about. I don't even, I mean, I know a little bit about heavenly angels, but I don't care about them. They not, they're not in my life. They're in heaven. You, you know, spiritually, I'm connected to heaven by my spirit, but I'm not living in heaven. The Bible says even Old Testament, Deuteronomy eleven twenty one, I can have the days of heaven upon the earth. That's old covenant. That's less than what I can have in you because we're in the new covenant, a better covenant, better blood, better man. <laughs> okay. But I'm saying, see, I'm concerned about the earth right here and the angels that are in the earth. And if I get a little time to preach this to you, I'll get, show you that. There's a lot of angels in this planet and this is their place, listen to me, of habitation. Your pastors don't live in Saturn. And I certainly don't live in Mars. I live in the planet here I'm in. I live in Indiana physically, but I travel all the time, so I'm everywhere, wherever God sends me, but I'm still on the earth. <laughs> so the angels that are assigned to earth, they're assigned to earth because this is where they work with us. And God could also uh, ordain a certain moment. I had one vision where two angels came to heaven to help me with something. I may tell about it later, but anyway, they were sent by God to help me turn something in my life, and they eventually did. So I'm just talking to you. 
they weren't part of the normal group that I knew down here. Anyway, are they not all ministering spirits? Think about that. Every angel that exists has something to do with us to help us in this planet. Think about what I'm saying. And you know, I, I'm just, this is the way I kind of think. I like myself thinking like this, so don't mess with me. <laughs> but I, like, I saw a special on Secret Service. And the reason I was interested in them, I knew the angels, they don't slumber or sleep. The ones assigned to me and you, they don't slumber or sleep. Now, you may have them in early retirement because you never use them. And, and, and when I was younger, I used to say this to all the churches I taught this to. If you don't use your angels, I'm calling down the unemployment, and I'll get them because I know how to work them. And you'll just have to do something else. I don't know what you're going to do if you don't take them. But, <laughs> yeah. But God started joining more to me and more to me as I trusted him more. I wouldn't believe it for more uh, specifically, but they came. So anyway, Pastor Nancy said, God said to her, I'm going to give you 50 of the 100. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dispersing the other 50, not an exact number. It was with the 100, but I'm going to say something here. To three of Dr. Sons, she said, uh, Pastor Jay Eberly, Pastor, Brother Ricky Edwards, and Dr. Jacobs. So I asked the Lord after that was told to me that she said that, and I got the CD, and I got the readout. I said, how many do I get out of the 50? And he didn't answer me. So let me, let me tell you something I've learned from God. When he doesn't answer me, I don't need to know it. I don't know what people are driven to. You know, just stay in your lane, would you? <laughs> well, he's got to answer me. He don't have to do anything. Except if you believe him, he'll do what the Bible says. But I'm talking about something different than that. And I said, well, how many of those did I get? And he didn't respond to me. So I know when he doesn't do that and I'm walking with him, I don't need to know that as an absolute. That's why I couldn't give you a full number. All right. Let me get back to verse 14. I'm trying to get through this. You'd help me a little bit by smiling occasionally that you're listening and you're receiving. And it's fun to receive. Okay. Okay. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? So I'm getting a feeling these ministering spirits want to minister. They minister for us, for them who shall be heirs of salvation. We would read it this way because this was written 2,000 years ago. I'm not changing the scripture. I'm showing you something. I looked at that one day and I said I could read it this way. Uh, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those of us who are the heirs of salvation? This was before we became heirs. God was working in your life with angels to help keep you alive so you could get saved. I know it's true of me because I was a drug addict. <laughs> And, you know, and it got more dangerous when I got more involved with drugs and more money was involved and there was more vicious people to deal with. You bite me in a room with six people and they all got guns somewhere on them. So if one person draws, we all going to draw. I'm not trying to play this card with you. And I'm not trying to exaggerate because that's not a good way to live. And I buried a lot of my friends because of that. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But what I'm trying to show you is sent forth to minister for them who shall. And one day I was reading that and the Lord said, you ever thought about four before? And I said, no, I haven't, but I'm going to now. And I know you're trying to tell me something. What is it? He said, you take that word for, and I thought it read this way, to us. They do minister to us, but God said to me, are you listening? Four is a bigger word than two. Four is a bigger word than two. They can minister to us and they do. And they, I'm going to tell an event when they ministered to me one time. Uh, well, many times, but one time particularly I'm thinking of. And they, but they minister for us too. 
they do things for us that I don't have to be involved personally other than to release my faith that they'll do that. Now, see, I like shredders. You don't have to tell me what your fetish is, but this is me. I like shredders. I like the little shredders you put paper in. I like the big ones. One of my sons picked a picture of this bus, a big bus, up on a platform in Kentucky, and there was a green button. I got salivating. I was wanting to push it. It takes that whole mobile home to it and just turns it up. There's nothing but little pieces of shrapnel down there. Yeah, that really turned me on. But I have a staff, and one of my staff members is Dale Tillity. He's been with me over 40 years. He knows me pretty well. I've already burned up two or three shredders because I like shredders. I tell you that again. You're not going to tell me what you like because you're embarrassed, but that's okay. I'll tell you, I like shredders. You may not like it. I like it. It's gone. I got books that some of them are trembling in the bookshelves. If I find some unbelief in you, I'm going to shred you. Boom, boom, boom. They're going, please stand still. Don't shake. He's going to catch us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Dale, I was going on a mission trip. I don't know where I was at in the world. I've been on over 120 mission trips, maybe more, all over the world. I said, go get me a shredder. I don't want it big enough to do a piano, but I wanted a little more horsepower than the one you gave me because I burned up two of them. So beef it up a little, baby. <laughs> you got a card from the church, right? Yeah, go down to Office Supply, Office Max, whatever they're called today. It's like the banks. They change their name every other weekend. Oh, brother. I could preach on that for a while. But anyway, I said, get it out of the box, put the box in my garage, go in my house. You got a car, a door key, put it in my office, plug it in, shred something. Yeah. Grab something on my desk and shred it. Yeah. Make sure it works when I get home. And he did it. I was in another world. I was in another country. And I got back and I had a new shredder. I was so happy. <laughs> so he did all that for me. The only thing I was involved in is telling him what kind I wanted how big I wanted it, and he already had a card to put it on the charge at church, and they took care of it. See, and that's the angels. Sometimes I tell them to do something, and I'm somewhere else. I, I sent them here before I got here to help create a place of signs and wonders and miracles. You know, I am going to minister to you in a minute, eventually, maybe. And if I don't get you tonight, I still got a chance at you tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just talking about minister out of my anointing that I have in different things and, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. But let me get back to this with you for a minute here. Verse 14. Uh, oh, I was going to tell you about how they minister. They minister to us, but they minister for us. So for is a bigger word. And so I, I was a drug addict. I told you that, I think. And so um, I got saved in uh, December 1971. I was working at a cement plant right after that, and I was I just grunt work, you know, labor work, and I ripped something down in the lower part of my abdomen here. I went to the hospital, and I was in there 30 days. They did surgery on me, and so these two surgeons came to my room one day, and they said, uh, Mr. Jacobs, we saw that in doing your blood work and enzymes on your liver, you had hepatitis C. Did you know that? Are you telling me I have it or I had it? Yeah, I know what hepatitis C is. It'll eat your liver up and then you've got to die, right? And they said, yep. They said, so are you telling me I have it or I had it? We're telling you you had it, but it stopped abruptly. We want to know what you took. Did you take, you know, they have different chemotherapies for that and different treatments you can take. Some of it will help you. Some of it will kill you. So just talk it. Brother Hagin said, you know, some men die because they went to the doctor. 
Other men died because they didn't go. Your, your thing is to figure out where you're supposed to do. Yeah, right. You need to hear from God. If you don't hear from God at all, you need to practice hearing from God. That's right. That's Not that that's going to happen to you, but everything you ought to be able to hear God that you're doing it should be endorsed by Him. Okay, so uh, I said to them, well, you know, I, they said, did you do drugs? I said, yeah, I was a full-blown drug addict for three years until last December, 71, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. That's the only thing I did different. We don't know nothing about Jesus. Well, I do. I'm telling you, I gave my life to him. That's the only thing I did different than being a drug addict for three years. Well, we don't know nothing about that. We just know you had it. You had hepatitis C. And now you don't have it, and we, it looks like it was stopped abruptly in your body. We don't know how that occurred because you just said you didn't even know you had it. But I qualified to have it because I used other people's needles. You know, when you're a drug addict, I'm not talking about a play with that person. You smoked a couple joints on a Friday night. And my wife used to say she was a drug addict. I said, honey, you were never a drug addict. <laughs> Quit telling people you were a drug addict. You're lying about it. You were not a drug addict. I was a drug addict. You were not. You were in it for the fun or something. I don't know what you were doing. But you were never a drug addict. Just remember that. Don't tell people that. Anyway, so fast forward. That was in 72. They did the surgery on me and helped me in that realm, but they, they just were confused how I could get healed of that because normally it has to be treated to kill it or just destroy your liver. Eventually, hepatitis C, I think, is the worst one. And that's what they told me I had had. So 2002, I went to an internist. I wasn't having any problems, and he took some blood. He called me at home. You know something's wrong when the doctors call you at home. Used to be we don't live in, what was that uh, little house on the prairie? You know, that's not us anymore, or Walton's Mountain. <laughs> hey, it's Dr. Jo Jones who showed up in the buggy up front. No, he's not coming. He's not even going to call you. But they call you if you're seriously ill. And so my doctor called and said, Michael, your blood's a mess. And I said, well, tell me what it is. I, I, I can take it. I'm a big boy. Well, I don't know what it is, but it's pretty serious. I need you to give me some more blood. I said, well, I can't now. I'm going out of town tomorrow to uh, Alabama. And I didn't say my spiritual father. He wouldn't register that. You know, he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like taking Japanese to an American. You know, you'd, what's that mean? So I just said, I'm going to see the preacher This I'm under. And I was going to call him. I had his phone number, but didn't want to bug him about it. But I figured, well, I get there. I'm a big boy. I could write a note. Dr. Dufresne, please pray for me. My blood, I need something done to my blood. Love, Dr. Jacobs, your son. I was going to write a little note and give it to an usher because I wasn't going to try to interfere with his ministry there. I was going to receive from him. But he didn't know I even had that, and I didn't have a chance to write it. But the first night, he got up kind of, he used to say, I'm trying to find a place to land. Everybody's saying that. I've done that too. I'm trying to figure out where to, I'm trying to figure out where to put a knot in this, what I'm teaching. I'm just getting started. I'm right here. And I was going to add some of this on the back, and you're not, even, you're not even halfway through this. Maybe we have a month of a seminar. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing you. I'm just teasing. So he was trying to, trying to figure out where to take off, and he goes, I'm trying to find a place to land. All of a sudden, he went like this, and he froze. He was in a trance. And I'd say he was in a trance for maybe... 30 to 45 seconds. Then he went, Dr. Jacobs, where are you at? And I said, I'm back here, sir. I was 10 rows back. Step over in the aisle here. Step, step over there. He said, the Lord shows me you have something wrong in your body. Is that right? I said, yes, sir. He said, there's an angel behind you. He's coming. You know about angels. He kind of laughed at me because he's the one that encouraged me to write the book. 
And don't think I'm a hero because I should have wrote it 20 years before, but I didn't. I know you do everything God tells you right away, but I didn't. <laughs> I'd like to tease you a little bit to motivate you maybe that next time you might do something that God actually tells you to do. Oh my gosh. And get blessed out of your socks. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I said, yeah. And he said, well, he's come to fix that. And he hit me in the head and down I went in the aisle. He, I never had a chance to tell him that I needed that until afterward. And I went back to the doctor. I told the doctor on the phone that day when he called. I said, I will come in next Tuesday. I fly home Monday. I'll come in Tuesday. Put your lady in the office, and I'll make an appointment with her right now, Doc. I'm not trying to avoid you, but I've made plans. i got airline tickets. i got a motel bill. I'll be back Monday, and I'll come in to give you as much blood as you want. And I went back and gave him. He took seven vials out of me. And he called me on Friday and said, well, something happened to you, son. You're, you're clean. You're normal. <laughs> hey, praise God. Yeah. <laughs> then I found a verse that says that, talks about that. I don't want to turn over there now because I'm on Hebrew. I'm still trying to teach you verse 14. How much is in verse 14? You don't have time for me this time, Trip. but I'm just talking here. Let, let me go read it again. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them, that's me and you, who shall be heirs of salvation? We all, we have... We are heirs of salvation now. So my point is, if he would send angels to help minister to me when I didn't know him, how much more do you think he'd do to me today as a son or a daughter? Yeah. And I know I'm a son, by the way. At least you think I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> I know people are confused. Yeah. Yeah. I have to tell them, stand in front of a length mirror, take your clothes off, whatever equipment you got, that's what you are. Right. Is that clear enough? Yeah. I'm sorry that sounds so raw, but that's just how I feel about it. If you don't understand that, I don't know how to help you. All right, praise the Lord. I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm just trying to be real with you. People are so confused about everything anymore, whether they're a boy or girl or both, or they want to do... I don't know what's the matter with people. Our culture is totally warped. Okay. So we're talking here about these angels... And I wanted to say something about verse 14. One translation, the Weymouth translation, he was a good Greek scholar, Weymouth, James Weymouth. He's got a little New Testament. He says the angels here in verse 14 are benefits for us. Now think of that. Here's a topic that we're talking about giving every member of the body of Christ, every member, benefits. And most people don't even know they're there. <laughs> I mean, you, you would have more confidence in America giving you something than you would Jesus Christ. I mean, they have tried to cram it down my throat. I want to, you get your $3,500 for groceries? I don't want your money for groceries. I paid for my own all my life. Hello. I'm not trying to get a handout. If you knew what I knew, I can give you a handout. You got benefits you know not of. Think about that. I mean, even a third grader that has a third grade and going to work for a plant or a corporation, and he goes to, what is that called, human resources, I, even if he's not quite the quickest guy in the road or the girl, mom or dad would say, listen, ask him about medical insurance. Ask him about how much you get for overtime. I mean, stuff that adults normally know a lot about. Yeah, benefits. I'm telling you, the angels are benefits for me. And that's what Weymouth called them, benefits, which means a helpful aid or a uh, useful aid or a help to you. The angels are benefits. And remember Psalm 103? I'll just quote it to you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
He heals all thy diseases. He forgives all your iniquity. And that's just the start of 103. When it gets into about verse 20, it talks about angels there. We'll have to go to that later, and I don't have time to do that today with you, I don't think. But I'm just talking to you here. They knew about that, and here we are. I mean, I went back and read the book of Genesis over and over again about 10 years ago, and it shocked me. I said, oh, my God, the book of Genesis, the first book written, and people, and after what Adam did, they were just dumber than rocks, it seems like. And they knew more about angels than any church I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> it shocked me. Because then I go and say that, and unless you guys have studied this before, you didn't know they were a benefit, do you? You might have figured they could be, maybe, but <laughs> that, I mean, Weymouth says that in verse 14, I'm still in Hebrews 1:14, that the angels are a benefit, a useful aid or a help to us. They can give us favor with people. They can make people that don't even like you help you. I met some people just ornery as could be, but they like me, and I appreciate that they like me because they were ornery. I want to take them out in the parking lot. You know, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not beating up people anymore either. Hallelujah. Yeah. Anyway. Now, <laughs> the Amplified Bible, which I had to take Greek in, in, in Bible school, I didn't like it because it's very complicated. It's got eight tenses. We have three, you know, past, present, future. That's it for us. We think we're real smart, but Greeks had eight tenses in their language. So it's a very complicated language. And I did my best. I made an A or B. But my point is, when I started reading my Amplified Bible, I bought one in 78. I was just graduating from Bible school. And I would, and I had already taken Greek. And I would go to uh, the Greek New Testament, first of all, because I knew it was written originally. And then I would read my Amplified Bible. My Amplified Bible would say what my Greek New Testament said. So I said, why do I need to go to two things? Why don't I just go to the Amplified and cut to the chase, baby? Remember, I'm a cut to the chase guy. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Some people get it so conglomerated that you, they can make a lemon tree, an almond tree when they're done. Yeah. They so research, research it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not a scholar like Rick Renner, and I appreciate his work. But he can make ten pages out of one Greek word. I can make a paragraph maybe out of one Greek word. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe just a line, okay? But anyway, I'm pretty accurate on this because I found my Amplified Bible says what they said without having to do all that. It just saves me a little time sometimes. I'm just talking to you here. You still with me? And in the Amplified of verse 14, I'm still on verse 14. Uh, what time do you normally get out of here? When <laughs> One thing I like about going to a new church for the very first time, they, they, you have carte blanche. Just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I'm not trying to keep you unduly. If you, unless you got a roast in the oven or something, go home, turn it off, and come back. I don't, I don't know. I'm having a fun time. Can you tell that I'm having a pretty good time? Anyway, the Amplified Bible says the angels are an assistance to us and to God. And it says that in the Greek New Testament, too. The angels are an assistance to us. Now, I'm still on verse 14, and i got this a little bit more, and then I'm going to move ahead. I think I'm going to. Anyway, believe with me, will you? Okay. Uh, verse 14 here. And I had never looked up this word. Uh, are they not all ministering? That word ministering, uh, I looked that up. And I used to have a little red collegiate dictionary. It's about that thick. But then my friend, one of my sons, Pastor Alvin Parker, he pastors in uh, Nashville, in the Hermitage area of Nashville. He said, Dad, do you realize there's a, real, a rare Noah Webster's dictionary? 
Thank you so much. Thank you. You need that back? Just go ahead. Don't take it. I got it. Thank you. Uh, he said, it's about this thick. It weighs about 40 pounds. If you want one, I'll get you one. I said, get it. He sent it to me. I don't carry it around with me because I have to have an extra suitcase. <laughs> but it's about this thick, and it's green. And it's Noah's Webster's dictionary that he put. And what he does when he gives you a definition, he puts scriptures by it. Because he was a very committed, devout man of God. I mean, he was a Christian, loved God and all that. So I went in there and looked up ministering, and this is what he said in his rendition of, the, of his dictionary, Noah Webster, to give aid or service to the sick. So that proves, too, that I've always said angels help me in my healing ministry. I mean, I could give you example after example. Let me give you one that just comes to mind right now. I was in Manzanillo, Mexico. Manzanillo is like a resort town for the Mexicans. It's not so much for Americans. Of course, people, I went there. I'm an American. And I took my, my youth there, and we helped Pastor Maria Rancun, who is a lady that pastors a church there. I took about 30 young people with me. And we were doing a crusade there, too, me and Mike Rabel. He's an apostle. He's been in Mexico. He's been in Morocco. He's, been, he's a very knowledgeable person. We've been friends for 40 years. We were doing a crusade together, and I had a word about heart, cardio, cardiac stuff, heart issues, physical heart issues. It was eight people came and lined up in front of me. And I'd been teaching on angels, and I laid hands. The first one was a man. I laid hands on his head, and when I did, the angel came around my hip. Stuck his whole arm in that man's chest about up to there. And what it looked like to me spiritually, he was opening the safe. But what he was really doing, I knew he's fixing that man's heart. Amen. He stuck his arm right into the, his chest. And it just opened for him. There wasn't no blood spilling out. I want to help you understand this. <laughs> like when I saw Jesus' head in the chair, I wasn't watching the living dead to figure that out. Right. Oh my God, if you're watching that, you need to repent right now. What kind of person are you? I don't understand people that watch stuff that make you afraid. That's weird. Yeah. Don't do that. And then it'll intimidate you someday. And you'll, where'd that come from? Come from what you watched on TV or your Netflix deal. I don't know. Just be careful what you watch. Anyway, this angel, but when I took my hand off, he said he pulled his arm out. Next one was a woman. I laid hands on her head. Same thing happened. He, fooled, he just stuck his hand in there in her chest and was doing that and all the way, all laid up. When the service was over, the lady, the second lady, the second one in line, she ran to me. She said, did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? She's almost talking double talk. I said, hold on. Did you say, did I see the angel put his hand in your chest? Yeah. Did you see it? She said, I sure did. And what happened when he took it out? Yeah, I saw it. She said, my heart, all the symptoms left me. I've been totally well. I had all these terrible symptoms in my heart that intimidated me because I felt like I'm going to have a heart attack any moment. Because a malfunctions in the heart, a valve stuck or a valve not working, and see that. See, it's interesting to note this too. I'm just throwing this a little side thought. You know, when you operate in things, it lets them operate in things. They could do it without me, but in my ministry, when I'm there, they don't do that until I step forward to do something. And I saw the same thing with Doctor Dufresne when I was with him in uh, Siberia one time. You know, but anyway, let's just move ahead here. So. It says to give aid or service to the sick. And then the Greek word is 3010 in the Strong's. And for ministering, I'm still on verse 14. I know you think, can he get any more out of that? I've got to move on if I'm going to give you an ending to this sermon. <laughs> it means to function publicly. This is the Greek translation. To function publicly as a benefit. And I thought about several people here. 
I thought about uh, First Kim, this lady in my church, 1995. Remember, I told you I preached 15 Wednesday nights on angels. And each time I got finished preaching, I would say, if you're sick, get up here at the altar. And they'd come, and this one lady came up. I know her quite well. Her name's Kim. And I touched her in the head. She fell out. I prayed, prayed for the rest of the people. Went back up to the, I, was, I had a little platform then. And I was up behind the pulpit, and I noticed her over there. I could see her hands out. They had a modesty cloth. You know what I'm saying so far? Just I don't want to lose you. But all of a sudden, I saw action down around her lower abdomen. I thought, well, that has to be supernatural. I didn't think there was a squirrel loose in the building. And I'm not a goofy person. Some people run up to somebody. They're still half down, you know, trying to get up. And you're going, what happened to your, what happened down there? I don't do that. I waited two weeks, caught her in the foyer of church. I said, Kim, come here. If you could tell me what happened to you while you were there two weeks ago on a Wednesday night. I saw activity in your lower abdomen. I'd already prayed for you. You fell out, but that was when I was back up on the platform. What happened to you? She said, two angels flew in. One reached inside of me. and took, She said, I had a female problem. I said, Dad, you don't need to tell me any more than that. I'm just wondering what happened. And she said, he reached in and took the bad part out. Angel on the other side had a replacement part. I know you think Napa has parts, but this is God. He stuck a replacement part in her, and she's never had any problems with her female area since 1995. I was reading, it's not in this group. These are some other things I wanted to read to you today if I have time. I don't know if you can handle all this, but I'm still on verse 14. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Yeah. So that was Kim. And then I had Leah. This was another young lady. She was young. I mean, she's still young. She's in her 40s now, but she was 20 maybe, maybe 21. She married a young guy in my church. Uh, I didn't know her as well as I knew her husband. But anyway, they got married. And she would just, let me just say this so you understand. She was a normal built woman, cute young lady. She married this guy that was in my church. Then she became part of my church. But I saw her in the congregation one night, and I said, come, uh, so-and-so, come up here. And she came up, I prayed hands on her, don't ask me what I prayed, don't remember what I prayed, but I'll tell you what happened. She's standing there like this, she didn't fall down, she stood there. I asked some other people that I selected to come up, and I prayed for them. Finally, the Lord said, turn around and look at her. I looked back at her, and you have to understand, she's facing the altar, and there's an angel standing here, kind of half bent over. He's pulling stuff out of her stomach, and it looks really bad. I mean, it doesn't look good at all, and I'm thinking, oh my God. You know, and I try to not confuse people because my opinion is people are already confused before they come to church. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of that additional. Yeah. So I sometimes I don't tell everybody everything I see at the moment because they might freak out. They might freak out and run out of the church and never come back. I don't know what they're thinking. But I saw that angel pulling stuff out of her stomach. So I kept that to myself. I was so thankful to see he was getting rid of something inside of her. But I went home that night after the service over my daughter have a daughter and a son. She was probably our, she was eating dinner with us, or we had a sandwich, me and my wife and my daughter. And I told the story to my wife and daughter, and my daughter started bursting into tears. Said, Dad, didn't you know she suffers from anorexia and bulimia? I said, I didn't know anything about it. Hold up. And I called her number because I'm her pastor. I said, so and so, I'm not giving you her name because these go tapes go everywhere. I said, This is Pastor Jacobs. I saw an angel pulling stuff out of your stomach. It didn't look healthy. It looked pretty yucky. And she burst into tears. And so she said, I can't talk to you now. I'm so upset. I'm so thankful. <laughs> and she took me aside a few weeks later, like in the 
foyer of the church said, come here, said, I was doing all kinds of weird stuff, throwing up all the time, sticking stuff down my throat to throw up. And I did some study later after I found out about her that you do that enough and you'll wreck your stomach and your juices down in your stomach that breaks your food down. And then you have some serious problems in your gut. And so I was just so thrilled. She's never had another problem with it since. Reason I said she's a normal built person and a cute girl, she, there was nothing about her that looked like she was large or huge or See, the devil gets hold of people's minds and said, if you don't fit in a size four or five or two, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm just using small numbers because the ladies, you know. But I think some of the men get upset with stuff too. But anyway, this lady's never had another problem with it. She's in her 40s now. <laughs> and that angel helped deliver her. I laid hands on her, but he came behind me and pulled. It was just amazing. And then I have Larry to talk about. Larry... <laughs> I like Larry. Anyway, it's a funny story one time. I can't tell you the whole story. We'll be here till 3 o'clock if I don't sort of slow down. Larry was in my church. He's ex-drug addict like me, ex-alcoholic like me. Not, he was, I'm not an ex-bodybuilder, but he was. <laughs> I said that one time. I forgot. I was, my wife was sitting there. I said, an ex-bodybuilder like me. My wife yelled out, you're not a bodybuilder. <laughs> the whole church loved it. They all laughed. <laughs> no, I'm not, an, I'm not a, a bodybuilder. <laughs> but anyway, he'd been shot, he'd been stabbed. <laughs> he's a tough guy. Uh, and I wouldn't want to meet him if he was mad at me in an alley. But his, his, his arms were as big as my thighs, just about that taunt. I mean, he just was a tremendous guy. Kind of like your pastor. He looks like he worked out a little bit. He's a big guy and solid. But he, got, he, he left church. We hadn't seen him for two years. I was on a mission trip somewhere. My wife went out with her mother because her mother lived with us at the end of her life, and was having dinner. And here came Larry across the restaurant like this. But he's grimacing with every step, like he's wobbling. And he's about 6'2", and about, 100, about 250 pounds, but he's all muscle. And he's, you could tell he's, something's the matter with him. He gets over to Diana, my wife. He said, hi, Pastor Diana. She said, Larry, what in the world happened to you? He said, well, I left church, you know that, and I began to drive a truck with the cars on top. There's a top thing and there's a lower thing. I got up to take, get the, back the one off above the cab, which is about 15 feet off the ground. I opened the door and stepped back to open the door to get in, and I missed the level on the side of the rig, went straight down on both my legs, broke every bone on both ankles. I've been in rehab for two years. I'm taking boots behind the kicking medicine. Now let's tighten all three, play with it stuff. I'm an extra getty, don't play with me. Tighten all three is just for babies. But anyway, if you get need to take it, I guess. But I mean, this stuff, you take it on Thursday and you're in next Wednesday. It's that potent when you're in that kind of pain. They, they give you stuff like boots. And then he's been in rehab. He's had six surgeries. He's got to wear a card at the airport and at the school because he's going to set off all the alarms. He's got so much metal in his feet. Well, she said to him, well, you know, Michael, that's me. She doesn't call me doctor. She just says, take the trash out, Michael. Yes, ma'am. And I take the trash out for her. Nice guy. She said, Michael's got an anointing for bones. You know that, Larry. Come back to church. Maybe God would use him. I, you know, I mean, I'm open to that. He came for about eight weeks, and one Sunday I showed up, and he showed up. And I said, Larry, God said to bring you up. He's going to fix your legs today. Took him a while to get to me because he's in a lot of pain, all that weight on your feet and your ankles. And he's struggling. He got up there. He, I laid hands on him. He fell out, and so... I internally, I said, okay, and what do I do now, Father? He said, tell the people one of your angels works with you in healing. He's going to finish this. 
I said, well, the Lord said, just wait and let's watch him. The Lord said that one of the healing angels works with him. He's going to handle the rest of this. We're all looking at him. Now, I saw the angel. I don't know if the church saw him, but you saw his leg come up and twist like that. Go home and try to twist your leg without getting somebody to twist it like that. You can't do that. Your, your ankle won't bend that far. Somebody has to be helping you. And that angel put one, put one leg up and did that, and then the other. <laughs> he laid down about another 30 seconds, and he went back to his seat like me. He just went back here like walking normal. I'd say that would make your day or straighten out your hairdo or something. Yeah, it's Larry. He got healed that day. Oh, man. I'm going to ask for emergency time to give me a few more minutes somehow. I'm not going to go back to verse 14 anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you some more things. Well, let me read you a couple of these. These would be, I got people here listed. They may be some of the same, but I doubt it. Okay, this is from, okay. This lady wrote me from England, and she said, my daughter is seven. She has some mental issues and other stuff too. But is there any way you could pray for her because she's seven and she's starting to go through puberty. So her chest began to grow out. I'm not being vulgar. I'm telling you what she wrote me. And said, the testimony uh, to kind of let Dr. Jacobs know what, what was done when I pinned the prayer cloth on my daughter's night top. She's only seven years old. The development of her chest went down the second morning. And she said, uh, as I explained to my daughter, Mr. Jacobs prayed over these prayer cloths and we were to loose our faith in prayer for the manifestation. She said, okay, mom. And they're in England, you know, and said, I believe that her childlike faith caused a miracle to happen when we both released faith in prayer. We are being a full, we're believing a full recovery. As you know, it was an unclean spirit that caused her to develop as though she were in puberty. She's only seven years old. That's pretty rare. So I, it's just odd. That, and, but she said she went down. She's Norman. Her name is uh, Mia. Her mother's name's Anita. Here's another person. This person's from Tennessee. I received healing in my foot and ankle. The tightness around my ankle has dramatically decreased. I've noticed increased stability in my foot. Uh, the intense itching sensation for 20 years that doctors couldn't diagnose or cure is almost non-existent. And the anointing is still working to complete the good work. Praise God. It's a lady from Texas. She was, uh, I don't know, I, I think she's about 20, 24 years old when she came in my prayer line. She said, I was delivered from severe and overwhelming uh, depression caused by bipolar disorder. I've been in the mental hospital three times between 2.14 and 2.16. I take 15 pills a day uh, for the depression and the disorder. That night, the Holy Ghost told me I will never... Uh, have an episode again, and my medication is just a simpler, a temporary fix. I prayed for her. I commanded thing come out of her. She was facing me. I'm standing here. She's facing me, and this spirit came out of her rib cage on this side of her and flew through the wall. And she, her eyes got real bad. I said, "What just happened to you?" She said, well, "Something, something came out of my rib cage and went flew out of me." I said, "That's right. It's an evil spirit of depression." And I called to check on her later because I knew her, her, her pastor after six or eight weeks she said she's still delivered anyway this young man it was in my church uh as a young boy but then he got into drugs and all that and then he he got saved which is good but he was going on a uh, what do you call a skiing trip in colorado like i don't know what they call those the ones that are mountains that are, huh 
black level, which means you're going to go extremely fast down there. And if you're not a good skier, stay off of it because you're going to get hurt. And he said, he, he told this after, I'm going to tell what happened to him. Uh, he, he had a witness down here. The Lord said, don't do that. Don't go skiing. But he used to ski all the time. He never wore a helmet. And the guy with him who had some money, he said, but, you know, was a good skier, said, I'm not going to let you go with me unless I buy you a helmet at the store at the bottom of the ski thing. You put that helmet on. So he put his helmet on, but he went down the black, whatever, like Dennis said. He said, I was in a bad skiing accident in 2010. I skied face first into a rock. I broke over 22 bones in my body. My face was crushed. I broke both orbital bones, both jaw bones, broke my nose, broke my palate, broke two or three vertebrae in my neck, three or four in my back, broke seven ribs, punctured my lung, collapsed lung, dissected carotid artery, was lacerated, and if you don't fix it, you're going to bleed out inside your, inside your body. And I remember praying about that when I got there, but anyway, a lacerated pancreas, dislocated hip, broken... I lost over half my blood in one day for a brief moment. I lost all vitals. The helicopter pilots that helicoptered in, I met him at the hospital after I got there. He, they came to see if he was still alive because he, whatever you call blue line or whatever, two times trying to get him to the hospital, he quit breathing and everything. And they used those paddles, electric, you know. Anyway, he said, uh, yeah. He said, Dr. Jacob flew out to Denver, Colorado, and laid hands on me. My dad, that's Les Flock, her, her dad, his dad, said that when Dr. Jacobs touched me, my body jolted. I don't remember that. But all of the machines I was hooked up to began to buzz and beep. The power of God went into my body. To make a long story short, I was back at work in five weeks. I mean, he's in an ICU where you have one nurse per person. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in there, you're really busted up bad or sick. And said, the power of God went into my body. To make a long story short, I was back at work in five weeks, back in the gym in eight weeks, and running a 5K in 11 weeks. And I wrote down at the bottom in red, Pastor Sonny's now a pastor about an hour away from me in Indiana. This is from a lady that couldn't get pregnant, and I wasn't liable for that. I wanted to make that clear before I go telling it. <laughs> I was not able to have a child for many years with miscarriages. One night, I miscarried again. I went to a Dr. Jacobs meeting. He prayed over me. And I got pregnant right away. My little guy's two years old today. So blessed. Let me see here. This is Pastor Nancy. She got healed in my meeting in San Diego a few years ago. And she was going to Buster Dennis's schedule to go to his church the next day. Isn't that right? And she fell over in the bedroom, I think. And she said, for about a half a year, I'd been extremely tired. In January 2017, I started having restless leg symptoms. My legs would jerk so much at bedtime, I'd go a whole night without being able to sleep. And other nights, I'd get only three or four hours. Then extreme tiredness only compounded the problem with all my traveling. The extreme tiredness, lack of sleep for my restless legs was becoming a real issue. I went to the doctor and he ordered blood tests. When the test came back, the doctor told me my blood level was 8.5. It should be 12. He said he didn't know how I was still functioning. He said I was almost to the point of needing a blood transfusion. I finally was able to rest after he gave her some iron pills, but they made her very nauseated, so she took herself off of that, I think. And about three months later in September, I was scheduled to go to Georgetown, Texas, Pastor Dennis's church, and I was trying to pack, but she said I was so exhausted she called and canceled. I was so weak I could hardly get out of bed, I decided to not make the trip and called Pastor Ruby and told her the change of plans and so forth. The next day I canceled the trip, it was on Thursday. On Friday I scheduled a doctor's appointment. They drew more blood. They called me later with the results and said my 
blood volume had dropped from 8.5 to 8. Now she's just losing a lot of blood. On Sunday, Morgan asked me, Morgan Dufresne, if I would go with her to Ramos' church since they were having special meetings with Dr. Michael Jacobs at their church. I was still so exhausted, but I told Morgan I could be tired riding in the car and sitting in the church service. Same way I could be at home, so I told her I'd go. <laughs> yeah. I preached on miracles that night down there, and I said, she said I went over to her and laid hands on her while she was sitting there, and I commanded all the weakness. I, see, the thing I didn't know, I didn't know all this. This happened after, but she pulled up. Morgan Dufresne was driving. She was in the pasture side, but when Pastor Nancy got out, something bothered me. I mean, Pastor Nancy, if you've ever seen her, she just knows how to do makeup and hair. You know, I'm just talking from a natural standpoint. She just looks like she's all put together. But when I looked at her, I was grieved. I said, what is, I, internally, I said, what is wrong with her? I mean, she smiled when she saw me, and I got out of the car, and she gave me a hug. She seemed normal, like, receiving me. But I, I didn't say, hey, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? I'm not a rude person. But she was in the meeting, and I ministered to her. And she said, uh, I was sitting there, and I, I commanded all the weakness to leave her, fresh strength to come. And about five minutes after that, I instantly felt all the weakness leave me, and strength came. I was completely refreshed. Anyway, so she sent me all this about how she got healed. That's a nice, nice, nice thing. All right. Praise God. Here's somebody. They were in Columbia at the time. They're in, uh, in Florida now. They started a church, and I went and preached for them last year. But he's talking to me about when he was in Columbia. And his, his wife, her name is Pam, when you ministered in our church in Columbia, you give a call for people with problem with bones. My wife, Pam, went forward to pray. God healed her of a herniated disc, and she never had any more pain. And there were days that she couldn't even walk because the pain was so bad. We want to thank you for your obedience and give God all the glory. We've always enjoyed your ministry and have a great respect for you. And they asked me to come to their church, and I went down there and had a meeting too anyway. Praise the Lord. This is a guy, he was in Nashville. He said, in July 2007, I broke my back in a four-wheeler accident. I broke six vertebrae, four ribs, and punctured a lung. I've been in constant pain ever since, every day. He said, I went to one of Dr. Jacobs' revival meetings in Nashville in 2015, 2015 for prayer for the relief of arthritis pain. I immediately felt better, returned to my seat, and suddenly realized I was pain-free for the first time in eight years. It's now been over a week. I'm, I'm still pain-free. I've worked in my garden, cut some fallen trees at my church, and still have no pain. I removed my placard, the handicap placard you put in your mirror that says you can park there. I no longer need it. <laughs> I like these times things, too. I'm not going to give her, her name, but anyway. For a while now, I've had a very heavy load of anxiety. This is a young person I know personally that is in a ministry family. I had... Uh, anxiety on my chest. I felt a heavy, held back to talk to anybody about it. I felt myself starting to be unhappy. That hurts me. I, I started to realize my anxiety wasn't only affecting me, but people around me. I got in the deliverance line that's with me when I was there, and I started to notice change in my life. I am so glad I not only learned how to receive it, but how to stay in faith when it tries to come back. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's enough for that. <laughs> I got a lot more. Praise God. I, I'm telling you. Praise the Lord. 
Let me read one scripture to you that will be helpful, I think. 1 Corinthians 4. Just look at this with me. I apologize. I'm not sure where I'm at. 10, 20 to 12. 1 Corinthians 4 and 9. And what, what reason I'm giving you this, I was looking back in Genesis and finding some interesting things about the angels being in the earth with us. With us. And I said to the Lord kindly, but I said to him, Lord, I'm not going to preach that unless you can give me something in the New Testament. And especially in the letters, because that's really what is the new covenant anyway, book of Acts and the letters. And uh, so he said, I'll do you one, I'll give you three, three other scriptures or four, and I, I haven't got time to give you these. But I want to give you this one because I'd read that before but never seen it, talking about angels in the earth. That's what I'm talking about right now, because we're going to minister to some of you in just a minute. First uh, Corinthians 4 and verse 9, I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last as it were appointed to death for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men now my bible is a cambridge bible i think that's right and in the footnote in the middle it says uh the word spectacle gr means the greek is the word theater so i went to the greek new testament particularly because i don't believe some of these guys <laughs> anyway i check and make sure they're telling the truth and so we says we've been made a theater unto the world. You know the world is watching you? Yes. Even some people that don't like you look at you and try to find something on you. Yeah. yeah, and then it says, and to angels. So the angels are watching you because you're a theater to them and to men. There's men and women watching you. But it says you're a theater to the angels. So this is what I began to see because it's the word theater. What, what have you been doing this morning with me? You've been looking at me and listening to me. What do you do when your kids have a, a Christmas thing from school or a play or whatever, or you go to the Philharmonic or whatever you do? You're looking and you're listening. That's what the angels have been doing here this morning. And besides that, your angels go to church with you, and mine do too. <laughs> okay, so they're here today, and they've been listening and watching, seeing what we're going to talk about, and they're always excited that I'm talking about them. <laughs> so what I would like you to do is stand up with me if you would, for just a minute. Thank you so much. You guys give me so much liberty, and I just kind of took it, I guess. But uh, maybe one of the guys could move this pulpit for me. Uh, wherever you want to put it would be safe. But I'd like you to come today if you have problems with your bones, any kind of bone problem, your spine, your neck, your joints, anything like that that you have an issue with. We have a strong anointing for bone stuff. Any kind of bone issue, come on and come if that's you. I'm going to start with this young man right here. Praise God. What's bothering you? What back? Your back. Uh, oh, there it is. The anointing's on you for your back to fix it. What about you? Back. Father, I pray for her back to be healed in the name of Jesus. Power's on you. Power's on you. Let's, let's lift our hands, all of us. Thank God. Father, we thank you for your healing power to heal spines, to heal backs, to heal vertebrae in the name of Jesus. What about you? Your spine? And your what? Your knees. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Father, fix this girl's back and her knees. I command these knees to be healed and her spine to be healed from the top of her spine to the bottom of it in the name of Jesus. I see an angel working on you, sister. On you. Yeah. Board towards the middle and the lower part of your back in the name of Jesus. Watch her. What, what's the matter with you? I was trying to use my knees and my back and the reverse curve in my neck. 
Okay, Father, we pray, we command these knees and back and spine and everything to be healed and the reverse curvature she's talking about to be reversed. We ask you to do it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let your anointing flow into her and fix all these bones, revitalize them. And if there's uh, uh, strongholds where uh, calcium has been built up, let the fire of God burn out any calciums so that it's not a, 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 it's easy to move with fluidity. And she's healed. We pray it in the name of Jesus. We release it now in my right hand. That anointing comes on you to make you whole. You feel that? Praise God. It's working. What you need, Dad? Hips and legs and back. Hips and legs and back. Father, I pray for my brother's hips and legs and his back to be healed in the name of Jesus. Let your anointing permeate him, flow down his back, his neck, and his hips in the name of Jesus and make him whole. Make them well in the name of Jesus. What about you? What's up? Okay, does it cause you sinus problems and stuff? Allergies. Allergies. Okay, Father, we command this nose to be straight. Oh, man, the anointing's on you strong. It's going to straighten that out for you. God's going to straighten that out, and your nose and the sinus and allergies are going to be removed. Too. I re Come out, allergies. I command your power broken over my sister right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Watch her. Yes, ma'am, what you need? Like over this way? Yeah. And you're back too, smaller. Father, I command all... Oh, my goodness, anointing hits you. I command all the pain to leave this lady's body and you to fix things in her body that need fixed in her bone system. They got you. Hallelujah. Anybody else up here? for anything in your bones. I'm going to say some other things here, but I'm just making sure before I go forward. Whoever has a lot of migraine headaches, I'd like to pray for you. Could be a man or a woman. So sometimes with ladies, they have it in their cycle kind of thing. I hate to be graphic. I just want to command the migraine headaches to loose you. Come out of him in the name of Jesus. Right now, we just command the power of God to go into him, make him whole in the name of Jesus. Migraines for you. Command migraines. Come out of him. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, command you to loose his mind, loose his head, and leave him alone in the name of Jesus. Migraines, come, migraines, come out of her. I rebuke you and command you to loose her now. Loose her head and let it go free. And no more migraines, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Oh my, something else is going on with you too, sister. I feel like you've had a little bit of an issue, something trying to be worked against you. Does that make sense to you? I command that thing to loose her in the name of Jesus. Command that to leave you now in Jesus' name. And there it goes. Praise God. Anointing's on you, sister. Mm -hmm. uh, oh. Father, I command her to be healed of that. No more migraines, no more vomiting or anything else. And I command her body to straighten out as a lady. Command those things to function correctly now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody here, you've got a problem in your throat. I don't know what it is. It might be a growth or it could be just an ongoing sore, sore throat throat. Yeah, you have a cyst. In the name of Jesus, I command that cyst to die and dissipate and dissolve and be no more in her throat, Father. I'm asking you to do it in the name of Jesus. There's the anointing. You too in your throat? 
thyroid. Okay, yes, ma'am. I understand. Command this thyroid to work perfectly right the way you created her to work, Father, in the name of Jesus and lady, that thyroid to work completely accurately and no more problems with it, we pray. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. All right. All right, I'm just waiting a minute. What are you doing? I'm scanning. You know, TSA, they use that wand. Beep, beep, beep. What's that? Just being sure that I've called out things that I need to call out. Somebody here, you have a hard problem with your food digesting in your system. I don't, just seems like it just goes through you, your food. Who is that? I know these are you. I'll come to you, ma'am. You get the whole nine yards today. You win the award for the whole nine yards. <laughs> no, that's all. I'm not making fun either. Father, I pray for her body to function correctly with digestive system to be boosted up and helped and make things function right down there with food and digestion. All of that, Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, there is somebody here today. I don't know how many somebodies, but I'd like to pray for you today. I was going to wait till tomorrow, but the Lord said, and we might do it tomorrow too, but you're just depressed and you can't shake it. That's what I mean. You just get overwhelmed. And when that comes on you, you just feel like you have to give up. Something's attacking you and you struggle to get, get away from it. But it's, you haven't been away from it, have you? No, it's okay, honey. You're going to get it. In the name of Jesus, come out of her spirit of depression. Loose her body. Loose her mind. I command that thing to leave you now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're all right. I got you. In Jesus' name command depression to leave her and go from her now and things to straighten up and peace come on her mind strength come on her mind her thinking to be changed today father supernaturally by your power and your anointing and we thank you for it we thank you for it father lift your hands with me congregation thank god we thank god for our sister has been ministered to and she's coming out of depression right now in the name of jesus and you've got good plans for her life Good things for her to do in life. And we thank you for it, Father. You love her and we love her. And we set her free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Things will be different for you, honey. Really will be. Hallelujah. I can tell something's happened to you, hadn't it? Yep. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Maybe I could have the pastor come, uh, your wife there, to come and just hold her for a minute. Would you do that for, for us? Thank you, Father. We thank you for setting people free. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for setting people free. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. You know, I went through depression in my own life one time. I was in a mental hospital. I know you probably think I still belong there, but really, seriously, I was. But I'm not there anymore, and my mind's sound now. I have the mind of Christ. Wasn't a funny thing for me. I'm telling you, it's terrible. So when somebody gets delivered, I'm thrilled. Amen. You know, we need to be thrilled for our brothers and sisters to get touched like that. You know what I mean? Come here to me a minute, would you? I'm just going to minister to you. I'm not sure what I'm ministering to you about. Do you know? You don't know? Could I lay hands on you? Father, I pray for this young lady to receive an impartation in the name of Jesus. That you'll just minister to her whatever she has need of, Father, in the name of Jesus.
touch her and change her in Jesus' name. Anointing's on you, honey. That was it. Did you feel that shake you? Yeah. Anointing. Did the Lord ever talk to you about ministry? Yeah, I think that's what it's for. I really do. I think it's for ministry to serve God with all your heart. Who's this girl belong to? Some, somebody back here? Okay, good, good. Maybe mama can help you. But I'm giving you an impartation for me as a man of God. You're going to start rising up. You, you're born again, spirit-filled, praying the spirit. Do you? Yeah, I'm going to pray in the Spirit with you. Pray with me, honey. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for an anointing that helps her know where she's going, what she's to do, and how she's to do it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And how old are you? How am I? Thirteen. Well, I would just say this to all the young girls, be careful of the boys. Because you're pretty and the devil hunts for precious lives. So, you know, I, I say young men don't have any sense at all. The girls got a little bit of sense sometimes. So just keep yourself. I'm, I'm not being vulgar with you. I'm just, as a man of God, saying to you, just watch yourself and be careful with boys because they could draw you the wrong way, you know. I know boys can be cute, but sometimes they're cute in something else too. But you got with me? I think she received from me. Yes. Kind of a quiet girl. Yes. <laughs> At least at that moment. <laughs> Appreciate you letting me minister to you. Well, I'm done for today. We'll see you tomorrow night.